1. And while you're turning to Romans 1, if you need a worship guide and you're somewhere in the building, we've got ushers everywhere with them right now. So raise your hand and we'll get you one. Romans chapter 1. And uh, please raise your hand if you need a worship guide. That uh, last week we, we talked about the gospel. We, we referred to the cross and all that Jesus did for us. And we finished with nailing our sin to that cross. And so I felt it would be appropriate to leave, just leave that there for uh, throughout Resurrection Sunday. Take it down for Easter, obviously, because uh, Jesus rose uh, from the dead. But as we continue to consider... This incredible thing called the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It would be hard not to have one of these messages in this series that gives us a view of the gospel from the vantage point of of the Apostle Paul. I I don't know that there has ever been in, in all of the Bible, you know, we all have our favorites, right? Somebody's got their favorite, you know, athlete. Maybe you've got your favorite actor. Or favorite actress or some kind of a favorite team. We've all got our favorites. Well, I would have to say that probably my favorite Bible character would be the Apostle Paul. I, I, my opinion would be, and again, it's just my opinion, would be that he may be the greatest Christian and the greatest missionary ever to live. And as I look at his life here in the Word of God, I can't help but to wonder <clears throat> as, 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 we, as we view his life prior to salvation... As we look at the before of Saul, who became Paul, right? Saul was doing what? He was persecuting the church. I mean, he was the chief, uh, the, the main, if you will, leader behind all that was going on in the early church that day when it came to Christians being slaughtered. Uh, Paul was dragging people off, Christians off into jail and hauling them to prison and throwing them in prison. He was participating and, and standing by... the. The, the wayside, if you will, uh, as, as others were tortured and their heads were uh, severed and their bodies were lit up as candles for uh, Caesar in that day as, as he would have his parties and use human candles, human sacrifices to provide lighting in that day. It was just a terrible time. And Paul was a part of all of that. What changed him? What made Saul... <laughs> And all of the things we just described that he, was, that he was and he participated in, all of that, what was the change in Paul that brought about the writing of 13 books in the New Testament? Well, Saul was on a road. He was on a road to Damascus. Just, if you will, just simply put, he was, you know, got up on a normal day, got on his vehicle, if you will, his horse. He's, he's going down the road and he has an encounter with God. He has an experience with God. I'm not afraid of that word experience because I'm going to tell you, that's what it is. When you encounter Christ, it is very experiential. Something happens. It's not just like, okay, no, you know, yeah, that was fun. Okay, good. Yeah, I met God today. It was pretty good. Yeah, nice guy. You know, I mean, it's not like that. This is a life changer. This through, and it's different for everybody. I mean, but it was, but I think there's the same, the experience is so life-changing and altering and powerful that though we all have our own story it's called our conversion story we all have one and it's not boring nobody's conversion story is boring it's powerful it's amazing i mean listen 
my conversion story is, is 38 years ago. 38 years ago. Now, now I'll tell you something. The way I'm presenting this message today, the passion and the intensity that I'm preaching this morning about the gospel, how Jesus changed my life, I just want you to know, 38 years later, it hasn't gotten dimmer, it's gotten brighter. It hasn't gotten quieter, it's gotten louder. My point being is that he changed me like he changed Saul to Paul forever. It was dramatic, it was climatic, it was incredible. And so Paul, as we read it, asks two questions. He says, who are you, Lord? And then he asks, what would you have me to do? And he spent the rest of his life answering those two questions. (laughs) Finding out who God was and how powerful God was and what God would have him to do. He went on to become the greatest missionary possibly the world has ever known. So here's the question this morning when it comes to the gospel. What was it that transformed Paul's life? I mean, what was it? Let's talk about it. Let, let's look at Romans chapter 1 where he gives somewhat of a, of a variant. I, I think there's some, some testimonial here. There's, there's a lesson here. There's no doubt there's an outline here. It's scripture. It's, it's the word of God. We're going to be all throughout this chapter. But ultimately, we're going to find ourselves fixated on, on what it was that transformed the apostle Paul's life. What motivated him. What urged him on. Because much of what we do here at Gospel Light... On Sunday mornings, much of what we're doing here is gathering as believers and introducing some to Christ that may not know Christ. You may be here. You may be unsaved. You may be unchurched. You may be someone who doesn't know if they're going to heaven or not. You may be like that. And we this morning are concerned about your soul and we want you to be saved. Then there's a room full of people today who know that. You've made that decision. So the question comes, what motivates you? What inspires you? And do you look at the service as just Sunday morning religion? Do you look at this service as part of your casual Christianity contribution? This is kind of how you let everybody know you love God as you show up at church on Sunday mornings. Or when you wake up on morning morning, does the same religion that got you up Sunday affect you on Monday? See, that's the gospel. The gospel is not Sunday only. The gospel is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's all day, all the time. It's exciting, all right? So we want the gospel to impact our lives like it did the Apostle Paul. So we find in verse number 13, or let's go to 14. Paul says these words. He says, I am debtor. I'm debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. Verse 15. So as much as in me is, I am debtor ready. I'm ready to preach the gospel to those that are at Rome. In verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. Interesting, isn't it? Verse 14, I am debtor. Verse 15, I am ready. Verse 16, I am not ashamed. Isn't that cool? And Paul Paul says three things here. I am, I am, and I am. I'm these things. And this is what motivates me. This is what gets me up in the mornings. This is why it, it will be no different for me tomorrow morning than it is this morning. No different. Here's why. These three things. And so my goal this morning is to have the Holy Spirit of God write these three I am's upon the table of your heart. And you leave this place not just 
with a, a mindset of gathering, but scattering. Scattering all over this city with this good news. Because that's what the gospel is. It's, it's, it's defined. The gospel is good news. All right, number one. Paul said, I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor to some people. When Paul said that, here's what I believe he was saying. And it's in your notes. I'm going to be faithful to the obligations of the gospel. I'm a debtor. I owe some people. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Right? I owe. O-W-E. I owe Jesus. I owe a debt. That's why Paul, in Romans chapter 1, in verse number 1, said this. Paul, an apostle or a servant of Jesus Christ. He starts the whole book, this incredible essay on Christianity, this phenomenal thesis on the gospel. I mean, Romans is a theological handbook. It's phenomenal. It's an incredible book. But Paul starts it off by saying, let's just get this stuff straight. I got a lot to say here, but I want to start by saying this. I serve Jesus. Number one, before anybody else, this is not the gospel of Erica Pacey. This is not the gospel of Luther. This is not the gospel of Baptist. This is not the gospel of Catholic. This is not the gospel of, of Presbyterian. This is not the gospel of Pentecostalism. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, Baptists get it wrong sometimes. Pentecost get it wrong sometimes. Lutherans get it wrong sometimes. Denominations get it wrong. It's not a code. It's not a creed. It's not a denomination. It's Christ. You see? It's Christ. And Paul said, I'm going to be faithful to the obligations of the gospel. I owe Jesus. He died for me. That's my sin on the cross. That's my sin that he took on his shoulders. That's, that, 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 that should have been me on that cross. And God, you loved me so much that you died for me. What can I do for you? For the rest of my life, every day of my life, I want to be a debtor to you. So God, tell me what to do, where to go, how to do it. I'm ready. I want to be a debtor to Christ. Number two, Paul said this. Not only am I going to be a debtor to Christ, but I'm going to be a debtor. I believe what Paul was saying this, according to verse 8, to the conquerors of the past. I want to be a debtor to the conquerors of the past. Look at verse 8. Paul says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. Jesus gets all the credit. But he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ for you all. And here's why I thank God for you all. Because your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Pretty cool, huh? Here's what I'm taking from that. Here's what I'm learning from that verse. I'm learning from that verse that there's always people in our past who we owe a debt to for what we enjoy today. Their faith is still being spoken of. Though they're dead, they still speak. You see, the blood over in the, in, in, on the beaches of Normandy, all that blood that was shed by soldiers, hey, we are enjoying the freedom they paid a price for. The conquerors of the past, the soldiers of the past, Memorial Day is important, Veterans Day is important, Independence Day is important, America, honoring America and thanking God for America and, and, and preserving the freedoms that we have, all of that is important. But let's not forget why we enjoy it. Somebody paid a price and we owe a debt. We owe a debt. 
And, and we ought to pay that debt by thanking our veterans, by taking... Listen, I guarantee you one, there's a lot of reasons to vote for the right candidate, but it's very important to vote for somebody who appreciates our military and who understands veterans are those who need to be well taken care of in our country. And so we love our veterans and we thank God for them and we understand somebody uh, paid a price and I owe a debt to them and I thank God for them. I'm enjoying this message this morning in a free country because of somebody in the past. But think about it this morning. Our church has been here now for 23 years. That's, that's not old, but it's not young anymore. I mean, we've had people that have given that are no longer here. We have some. You see, we sit in a, in a, in a nice building this morning, and we park in a nice parking lot, and, and we have a nice nursery, and we're remodeling a, a nice building over here for the youth, and we're enjoying some nice coffee this morning in a nice atmosphere and we're sitting on padded pews but guess what it didn't just appear somebody who who came to this church when when all this was happening when when we needed to raise the funds when when, when we were I, I remember the sunday uh, rather the campaign where our church gave seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars I, I remember somebody uh, took out a mortgage on their house i remember somebody else wrote uh, a thirty thousand dollar cd and gave it to the church as part of their retirement said man we got to do this preacher we need to reach this city i remember people in the past some of whom which i have buried some of whom which are not here anymore in the past conquerors who paid a price for us to have a church and I, I feel as if there's a debt that I owe to, to, to continue to preach the gospel, to keep this church strong. I understand, number three, that I owe a debt to you. Sitting in these pews. Those of you who gave this morning. Look at verse number, look at verse number 14. I am a debtor both to the Greeks. Who are the Greeks? Symbolically in that verse, the Greeks are this. They're the up and ups of church. Ain't that wrong being up and up? Hey, I thank God for those of you that have good jobs and, and, and you drive nice cars and you, you, you're able to give some good money. You, you got good education. Thank God for you. I'm proud of you. I, we need you. Amen. We need to reach that crowd. That's right. We need to reach that. That crowd needs Jesus. And when they find Jesus, they can contribute and they're a blessing. And I thank God for the Greeks. I also thank God for the barbarians. You say, who are the barbarians? They sure ain't the Greeks. I'll tell you that for sure. They're a little different crowd. Paul says, I'm a debtor to that crowd just as much as I am to the... Hey, that's the down and out. That's the ones that, you know what? They, they don't bring a lot of money to the table. They don't bring a lot of... They, they're not able to do a whole lot, but they still need Jesus, and they still can do something when they get their lives changed. And a church is not just to reach one community or one crowd or one demographic or one color or one social. No, a church is to reach everybody. So Paul said, I'm a debtor to both this crowd, this crowd. And then he says, I'm a debtor to the wise and the unwise. You know, some people say, preacher, you got to be careful how you say things. Talk to Paul. I'm a debtor to those of you that are smart and those of you that aren't so smart. I'm a debtor to the educated and the ignorant, he says. I love that. He says, look, let's not be critical. We need a crowd of people who have degrees, who have educations. Man, it's got to where now, you know, the the college uh, needs needs guys that are willing to to learn and to to get an education, to go back and get a master's, maybe a doctorate. I mean, there's a lot going into training up. There's just, there's there's things that we we have to do. Thank God for them. But I also thank God for those who just, the hard workers who just, you know what? They maybe have not been gifted with a lot of education, but I guarantee you one thing, they can contribute. They're hard workers. And Paul says, I love and need and, and I'm a debtor to them just as I much am anybody else. 
This is not about this and who. No, this is we're all the ground is level. We want to reach everybody. The gospel is for everybody and everybody in this church. The one that gave a dollar and the one that gave a thousand dollars. All of you are important. We need you. And I guarantee you one thing. This sermon would be very boring and very bad and very sad if the only person that showed up was Carol Ann, Joe, and Zoe. Now, they need it really bad. But you know what? If the only family that showed up is, well, I guess we'll go to church today. You know, Dad Dad says we got to go. You know, nobody else goes, but we'll go and hear Dad preach again, you know. The building's full this morning, and I owe you for that. Thanks for coming. I really mean that. I appreciate you being here. I could not preach without you. We couldn't keep the lights on without you. We couldn't make the mortgage without you. We couldn't run the buses without you. We couldn't do a thing without people who come and give. I owe you. I'm a debtor. See that? Isn't that beautiful? That, that's, that's, that's what motivated Paul. Paul was, didn't feel entitled. Paul didn't come to the table saying, you know, well, I, what do I get out of this? And God, you saved me, but now what? Well, God, come on, give me some more. God, I want some more. I, uh, come on. Now. That's not what this is about. This is not about entitlement. This is about debt. This is about spending our lives understanding that it's, it's not about how much more can I get. It's how much can I now give and spend my life for others, you see. So we owe a debt, and we need to be faithful to the obligations of the gospel. Number two, Paul also said this, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm a debtor. I'm faithful to the obligations, but number two, I'm flexible to the opportunities. I want to be flexible to all the opportunities that the gospel affords me. Because God says, I've got a lot of things I'd like for you to do, Eric, but you got to be ready. You got to be ready. You know what our problem is, honestly, is the, the reason why sometimes I feel as if it's really hard for God to work in a church and to work in a family is because we're just not ready. I mean, if God came to us and said, hey, I'd like to do this, we'd say, uh, God, I'm, I, I got too much to do. I got too much on my plate. Plus, God, I've already got plans. So, God, you know what? I'm not ready. Go ask somebody else. And I really believe this thought is very important for you to leave this place and really serve God because it's probably going to interrupt some of your plans. It's probably going to mess up your schedule a little bit. I don't know. if God really doesn't work according to our schedule. God usually interrupts our plans. That's why, listen, we organize a service, but you know what? If a, if a, if a video doesn't work, we don't worry about it. If, if, if a song doesn't work, if, if God changes something, if we rearrange... You know what? We're not trying to organize everything around here. We want the Holy Spirit to have enough uh, moving space. To, we want to be flexible enough that if He wants to interrupt something, He's welcome to do it. His power is, 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 is definitely got, got full reign here at Gospel Light. So we need to be ready. Can God interrupt our plans? Well, notice here Paul said, I, for as much as in me is... Now, let's study that for just a minute. Can, can we do that? What does that mean to you? For as much as in me is, I am ready. Number one, here's what I believe it means. I'm ready, Paul was saying, I'm ready to live for Christ. For as much as in me is, I'm ready to live for him. I don't know what, what else is in me, but whatever's in me, like for instance, I don't know what left, what's left in me. I, I'm thinking maybe what, 20, 30 years, 40 years that, you know, I, I, this morning I, I mentioned, you know, man, if I'm 95 years old, I got 45 years left, I'm probably walking like this, you know, and I, I got a little oxygen maybe. I, you know, I, I, I don't have the energy. I got, 
I got my ear, what are they called, um, hearing aids in, thank you, you know, I can't even hear, and I got my hearing, I got my glasses, bottle cap glasses on, you know, and uh, I, I mean, I, I don't have, I won't have as much then, but I guarantee at 95, it'll be this, as much as in me is, <laughs> I don't, you know, I tell you, I remember no story, I didn't tell this this morning, but it just came into me, no story about a, uh, a gentleman like that, an old guy in the church, and, and uh, the church was going to pass out some invitations uh, on a Saturday, and so they invited everybody to come, well, he came. I mean, the old man came, the old man with the oxygen, the old man that I'm describing that one day I will be. And he came into the building, and he was sitting with all the well-abled-bodied people, and so the pastor gives out flyers, and he comes to this man. And he didn't mean to offend him, but he just said, well, brother, I, I don't know really if it'd be wise for you to, 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 to go up and down. He said, no, you're right, pastor. He said, I, I, I couldn't. I'm worn out by the time I walk to that door. I can't pass out these flyers anymore. He said, well, that's all right, brother. I'm glad you came. He said, what do you mean? I ain't leaving. He said, what do you mean you're not leaving? He said, you can't pass out the flyers. He said, let me tell you what I do on Saturdays, Pastor. You got a few minutes? They walked over to this one of these Sunday school rooms, and he, he came to a little desk that he had secured there for several years, and he had a phone book. Man opened up the phone book. He was on letter P. He said, here's what I do. He said, I take envelopes. And he said, every Saturday, I write 25 addresses on the front of an envelope, and I put a gospel track. He said, so far, I've mailed out 20,000 of these letters all over the city. I mail out gospel tracks. He goes, I can't knock on doors, but I can mail it to their door. I pay for the postage, and I mail the letters. And the pastor said, and, and, and hear it out, you know, don't be too mad at the pastor. We say stupid stuff. He said, well, that's good. God bless you. And he patted him on the back. And he said, well, you know, he said, that's good. He says, uh, 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 I'm sure, you know, it's decent. He probably had much, had much of a response, but that's good. He said, what do you mean not much of a response? He said, I've been doing this for 10 years. And he opened up a cabinet. He had 30 returned letters saying, thank you. I trusted Christ as my Savior, and I've been saved. Isn't that good? That's an old story that I heard a preacher tell a long time ago about an old man that still had something in him. It wasn't much left, wasn't much gas in the tank. But what gas he had, he could write a little old letter and send a gospel track out with a stamp on it. Amen? You see, however old you are, hey, however much you have left in you, are you ready? For as much as in me is, I am ready to live for Christ. Here's what's interesting. Sometimes I get confused at people that give these testimonies. Well, I tell you what, I love Jesus with all my heart. I'd die for him. I don't know if you ain't living for him. I don't know why in the world you'd think we'd think you'd die for him. You see, you've got to be willing to live for Christ before you'd ever be willing to die for him. So let's talk about number two. I think Paul was saying, I'm ready to live for Christ. And number two, I'm ready to die for Christ. Now, here's where I get that from. The same verse. It says, I am ready. Notice it says, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at where? Rome. What's that mean? Why did he mention Rome? Why did he single out Rome? Well, it would be about the same thing as me telling Darian, uh, you know, Darian, uh, listen, uh, God's calling you to go to Iran and preach the gospel. Now, if Darian, if you go to Iran and preach the gospel in the Middle East country of Iran, that might mean, you know the answer to this, it, it could happen, you might what? You might be persecuted and you might die. I mean, you preach the gospel in the Middle East, hey, they're dying over there right now. 
Those that stand for Christ in the Middle East oftentimes are tortured and die. Here's what Paul was saying. If, if I could do a little drama for you, if I could put a little skit on for you right now, for as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel, even if it means I go to Rome. And everybody in the audience went, oh, he just said Rome. Oh, my goodness. He's got guts. What do you mean? That means if you know in Rome, they'll kill you for preaching the gospel. Paul says, I'll even go to Rome. I'm ready to die. You know, while we enjoy the freedoms in our country, and I try to remind you of this, believe me, I'm doing you a favor by saying this once a month, while we enjoy the freedoms in America, the padded pews, the nice drive to church without any interference, hey, let let me just kindly and lovingly remind you that this day will come to an end even in our country. Persecution will come to America. We will experience that. Scripture teaches. Listen, I want you to know this is not going to be a walk in the park forever. Some of us need to be thinking already like Paul's thinking. Even if it means persecution, I'm ready. I'm not ashamed. I'm ready. I'm ready to live for Christ. I'm ready to die for Christ. I think Paul was also saying this. Look at verse 13. I would not have you ignorant, brethren. That oft times I purposed to come to you. What was he saying there? Simply put, he was saying, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to live, I'm ready to die, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Paul was saying, you know what? I, I'm ready, I'm flexible. Listen, I enjoy it here, I'm doing good here, I don't have any plans on leaving, but you know what? I, I'm ready, if God wants me to go, I'll go. Paul said, oftentimes I wanted to come to you. I was ready to go. I was ready to leave where I am and go somewhere else. Now listen, if God were to interrupt somebody's plans in this room right now and and ask you to sell your business and become a missionary, are you ready? Oh, no, no, no. Man, listen, I can't do that. You don't understand, preacher, man. I got a big house and a big car. We'll sell that too. You're going to the mission field. Well, yeah, but preacher, you know, that's a lot easier said than done. I understand that's going to take some time, but if God calls you to Africa, would you go? If God calls you to Ethiopia, would you go? I mean, are you flexible enough? If God calls somebody here to the mission field, by the way, parents, if God calls your kid to the mission field, are you going to be okay with that? I remember when Chantha came to me a few years ago, and he'd been here 10, 11 years, and, you know, he'd been doing great, and he had a beautiful house, man, a beautiful house, and a beautiful neighborhood, and a beautiful life, and a beautiful family in America, and, and, and all that, and, man, he had it made, and a beautiful office, and a nice little business, and everything was great, and staff member here at the church ran Solid Rock Publications that the year before he left it, a quarter of a million dollars worth of business, had nine employees, and Chantha said, preacher, you can't talk me out of it. I'm not, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. I'm leaving. I'm going. I've got to go, preacher. I need your help. I need to go to Singapore. I need to go to the Middle East. We've got to reach those people. I've got to get to that part of the world. I've got to spend all my time, preacher. Uh, uh, I, 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 this is what God wants me to do. It's hard, but I've got to do it. I know God wants me to do it. I'm ready to go. And so, you know... I'm just asking all of us to consider what motivated Paul. And one of the things that motivated Paul was this. He was flexible. I'll live, I'll die, I'll go. Or, he said to him before, I'll stay. And we need some stayers. Look, if you would, please, at verse 13 again where it says this. It says, that oft times I purpose to come unto you, but was let hitherto. And then he goes on to say, that I might have some fruit among you also. 
In other words, Paul said, I, I was ready to go, but it didn't work out. I just couldn't go. I've been here 23 years, going on 24 years. Our church will be 24 years in a couple of months. I've been here since the beginning. And you know what? I've had opportunities, sure. I, I've, had, I've had offers. I've had thoughts, sure. But you know what? God, God said stay. I mean, I thought, okay, that's a nice offer. But you know what? I just can't get a piece about that. I'm going to stay. I don't know if I'll be here 10, 20, 30 more years. I may never leave. I don't plan on leaving. I plan on staying. But if God says go, am I ready? Am I flexible enough to go or stay or leave or die? Here's what I'm saying. God, I'm yours, whatever you want. That's what I'm saying. This is not about getting my little comfort zone. Hey, you know, you heard, you heard Jason's sermon two weeks ago, didn't you? If you were here, you heard Jason's sermon. He said there'd been a lot. He had it made there. I heard some of it. He had it made there. It was more comfortable there. He had a place there. There were no problems there. But God said go. And if God would have said stay, he'd still be there. You see, sometimes I think we need to be willing to do whatever it is God wants us to do. And sometimes it's going to mean stay. We need some people that'll just stay and stick it out and be here and I talked to pastors, I talked to a pastor not long ago that he said, yeah, I'm, I'm fixing to go pastor my 10th church. And he said, I don't know, I should never stay anywhere. I just, I don't know, God just never let me stay. I just go somewhere, help a little church out for a while, get on their feet, and I go somewhere else. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. God hadn't called me to be a, a 10 church pastor. I, so far, I'm just a one church pastor. But, but, but God's called a man to be ready to go 10 times. You know, I have a lot of respect for that. I have a lot of respect for God that'll stay too truth of the matter is, I really have respect for somebody that will just do what God says to do. Live or die, go or stay. Are you ready? And then number three, Paul said this. Paul said, thirdly, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. And when Paul said, I'm not ashamed in verse 16, Paul was saying this, not only am I going to be faithful to the obligations, I'm a debtor, and not only am I going to be flexible to the opportunities, I'm ready, but I am going to be fearless to the opposition of the gospel. Because I'm not ashamed. I am not ashamed. And I am going to be fearless when the opposition comes. Even if it means go to Rome, I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed. I've seen what he's done. I know what he can do. Like David said, I've killed a lion. I've killed a bear. What's up with the big dude? I can handle him too. I'm not afraid of him either. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm not ashamed. One of the most convicting verses in all the Bible, and I I won't preach it this morning. I'll just have you meditate on it. I'll let you interpret the scriptures because you are smart enough to do that sometimes. Mark 8, 38. You don't need my help. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I I can explain it, but really, here's how I'll explain it. You ready? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this messed up world, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed. That's how I'd explain it. It's just black ink on white paper or blue words on blue background. Or white words on blue background, sorry. Hey, church. You know, some of us need to really let the Holy Spirit right now 
fill us with power to be courageous for Jesus and to not be ashamed of what he's done for us. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last week, I told you a story. How many of you remember the story of Asatu, the Somalian girl? They got her. Anybody else? Raise your hands high if you remember the story. Okay, good. This is a picture of Asatu. That's her. I wanted to show you the 13-year-old girl that has motivated me every day of my life since I read the article 13 years ago. Every day of my life. There's not a day that goes by that she has not affected me. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about this little girl. They put my hands on the ground. They cut them off quickly. The left first. I fell to the ground. This little girl said when they came with their machetes and said, you renounce Jesus or we chop your hands off. This 13-year-old Somalian girl saved two weeks. Put the left hand out. She fell to the ground. And they cut her right hand off. Why? She could not be ashamed of Jesus. So the next time, the next time you're inconvenienced for God, the next time he says, I want you to talk to that lady at Walmart, that one there. Oh, no, God, I can't do that because people are around. I want you to think about that. I want you to visualize that picture. And I think, if I'm not, I, I, I have confidence that that, that that picture will do For you what it's done for me. I'm going to talk to that lady about Jesus. I'm not going to be ashamed to speak for God. I've got my hands. I've got my feet. I live in America. The least I can do is invite somebody to church for Easter. That's the least I can do. Is not be ashamed to bring somebody on Resurrection Sunday. At least try. I'm not putting a guilt trip on you. I'm really not. Hey. The Bible is just simply trying to get our attention, I think, here. Paul's motivating us to, inspiring us not to be Sunday morning casual Christians. That's what he's doing. And I know this has inspired me. And so four quick things before we close. Fearless in the opposition to the gospel. Uh, So what did Paul mean when he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel? Number one, Paul said this, I'm not ashamed of the person of the gospel. Who is the person of the gospel? Well, let's go back to the verse, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of... Right, Christ. That's who it is. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I've already mentioned, not a creed, not a code, not a cause, not a church. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's not about Calvinism. Give me a break. I'm a Calvinist. You aren't. You know what? I don't even know how somebody who claims the name of a man as their doctrinal position, listen, if anything, say, I'm a Jesusist. <laughs> Figure out a way to say Jesus. Somebody told me, do you know, uh, have you met any Ruckmanites? I don't even, look, uh, you know, I don't even know what they are, but it has something to do with a man who is a certain way. And so we, I remember when I was at Bible college, we had a man at our college named Jack Hiles, and they had buttons. I was there. I was in the building that said 100% Hiles. And they wanted everybody to wear these buttons to be supportive of this man who is a sinner saved by grace, whose sins are nailed to the cross just like mine. I'm not 100% me. I'm not going to wear a button that says I'm 100% anybody but Jesus. So before we go around attaching ourselves 
to names of people and saying, oh, uh, somebody came up with this belief system and so I am this. No, no, no. Just say this. I am a gospel preacher. I believe the gospel. I proclaim the gospel. I love Jesus. I appreciate men. I appreciate their contribution. I love my pastor. He's a really nice guy. He preaches the nice messages, but I don't serve him. I don't follow him. And if he dies, I'm still going to church. I love Jesus. I serve Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. It's all about Jesus. And so Paul was not ashamed of the person of the gospel. Number two, Paul was not ashamed of the purpose of the gospel. What's the purpose of the gospel? Let's look at the verse again. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That's, the, that's it. That's it. The gospel, the purpose of the service, the purpose of preaching, the purpose of coming to church, the purpose of every sermon, whether I preach on the marriage or children or giving, doesn't matter. Every sermon is about salvation. We want people to know it is Jesus Christ who gives us the strength to do anything that we do. It's about the gospel. I'm raising my family according to the gospel. I'm giving according to the gospel. I do everything I do for the furtherance of the gospel, you see. So the purpose of the gospel is salvation. Jesus came to seek and to save. That's why our church is not a social club. Because some have tried to substitute the saving gospel for the social gospel, which is no gospel at all. This is not a place to come and sip and drink coffee and meet friends and women and girls and guys and get, hey, man, I go to that church, a groovy place, man. We just get together and have a good time. And, well, fine. You know what? Enjoy a little coffee in the coffee shop and, 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 and meet a few people. But, but listen, this is a saving station. This is a hospital for sinners. That's what the church is. It's not a mall. It's not a place to gather and have a big party. We're not here to, 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 just, to just dance around here and have a good time. No, we are here to preach the gospel. Everything we do is about people getting saved. And whether it's here or in Singapore. That's why we give to missions. Because there's, there's a lot more people lost. We, we, I say this only because, you know, just... Taking it that we're in the Bible Belt and there's a church in every corner, you know. There's, there's, there's places across this world where there are millions of people and not one gospel preaching church in, in that tribal area. So we've got to give to missions, five, ten bucks a week, a dollar a week, 20 a week. Give something because every bit of that money, every bit of it is going to the mission field, right? So we want to do that. So it's about salvation. It's about the gospel. Number three, I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel. Uh, let's go back to the verse. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God. The power. Now, let's go to the Greek for just a moment. I don't like to go to the Greek all that much, because I'm not all that smart. But every now and then, it's kind of cool. That word power means dunamis. That's the word. The Greek word for power is dunamis. What's that sound like? Dynamite. Exactly. You know where the word, the word power in this verse is, is the, another word for dynamite. It's, it's, just, it's like explosive. It blows up things. For instance, if I took a stick of dynamite and I gave the stick of dynamite to Josh and I said, Josh, hold this while I light it. And I give everybody a warning. Guys, this is probably going to be pretty incredible. We might all want to just, you might want to get out of the building because Josh is going to tell us, show us what dynamite does. So we all leave. We go out. And we hear this massive explosion, and oh man, that was brutal. We come back in, and Josh is everywhere. I mean, he's everywhere. 
I mean, he's over here, he's over here, he's there. I mean, he's everywhere. Because you know what? Dynamite blows things up. Now, I use Josh as a good friend because he knows I don't, you know, I'm just joking. But that's what dynamite does. So guess what? It's powerful. It's powerful. It blows things up. But there's one thing, Josh, it won't blow up. It can't blow sin out of your life. It's just not that powerful. It's powerful. It might blow you up, but it won't blow the sin out of your life. There's only one thing that blows sin up, and that's the gospel. The gospel is so powerful that it can take a life full of sin and degradation, and it can come into a person's life and make them brand new. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. How does God do it? The gospel changes lives. Right, John Schroeder? Amen. Right, Mark Cantrell? Has gospel changed your life? You've been raised in church, but has the gospel changed you? Sure has. Right, Ray Black? Amen, Ray. Ray, you ought to hear Ray in chapel Friday. Boy, he's talking about, you know, preaching. He was preaching and talking about Celebrate Recovery in this new ministry. Man, he tore it up. And he just, he basically just said, man, listen, church, if you'd have seen me so many years ago, man, I, did, I was lost. I didn't have no my way. But the gospel came into my life. And I am a new creature. Listen, the gospel is so powerful that the next time you drive down the city of Hot Springs and see somebody laying in the gutter, I want you to tell yourself this question. The gospel will pick them up. The gospel will change their lives. And I want you to pray a prayer over them. Maybe park your car. Get out of your car. Walk over. You say, but they're a drunk preacher. They, well, just pray over them. I know they're drunk, but God would hear your prayer and say, God, I know they're drunk, and I know they're messed up, and I know that, that they're going to try everything, but God, I pray the gospel would come to them. God, bring somebody by. Help them to get saved because that's the only hope they have. The only hope they have, it's not a 12-step program necessarily. I mean, those things help. It's not jail. That can help. But listen, what changes lives is the gospel. And then number four, and I'm done. I'm not ashamed of the person, the purpose, the power. I'm not ashamed of the plan of the gospel. What's the plan of the gospel? All right, let's read the verse again. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. Here it is, ready? To everyone that believeth. That's the plan. The plan of the gospel is God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How cool is that? Let me tell you who the elect are, just in case you were wondering. Well, what about the elect in this group? Doesn't God, you know, choose as these, but he doesn't choose. Let me tell you, the elect are the whosoever will. Whosoever will is the elect. I mean, everybody can be saved. Not everybody will be saved, but everybody can be saved. Anybody who wants to trust Jesus Christ, who chooses to trust Jesus Christ, is part of the elect. So you see, it's to everyone that believeth. That's why we have to be mouthpieces for Jesus. That's why we can't be ashamed of the gospel. Listen, everybody that you see is either saved or lost. They're either a saint or a sinner. They are either lost or they're a prospect. (laughs) One or the other. And so that's why you and I have a responsibility while we're out and about this week to take our Sunday morning religion and to make it Monday morning and Tuesday and Wednesday. And we're to take what we got in this building 
and not just say, well, I'll see you next Sunday, preacher. I'll see you next Sunday. Hey, make sure to preach the gospel next Sunday. I will, but you won't be preaching it tomorrow, right? You're going to be be helping me out Tuesday, right? Can you do that? I mean, listen. The gospel is not confined to 600 Garland Street. The gospel blows the walls down of this church and goes everywhere. Let's take the gospel to the streets, to the workplace. And I'm preaching to myself. I'm a debtor. I owe you. Thanks for coming. Not the same without you. Couldn't do it without you. Need you. Thank God for you. I'm a debtor to you. I'm a debtor to people that have already passed on and given their lives to help us to have this church. I'm a debtor to Jesus Christ. Most importantly. I'm ready. I want to be ready. Thank you for letting me live in America, God. It's been pretty easy to serve you. I haven't been too inconvenienced, but I have a feeling I'm going to need to be flexible. Because I have a feeling, God, you've got some plans and there's going to be some things you require of us that you've never required of any other generation. And I'm not ashamed. I'm ready to live. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to stay. So whatever it is that God's calling you to do, maybe you've never been saved and you would say, man, the part of the gospel I need today is I need the power. I need I need God to save me this morning. I still carry the weight of my sin. I've never trusted Christ. Is that my sin on that cross? Yes, that's your sin. And if you've never trusted Christ today, you can be saved. You can be saved in the balcony, on the main floor, wherever you are. Listen to me. The gospel is for you. The plan is to everyone that believeth. To everyone that believeth. God wants to save you today. God wants you to ask him into into your heart. He wants you to pray a prayer. Dear Jesus, something like this. I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Save me, Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Change me. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Cry out to him right now. And then don't be ashamed to make it public. Don't be ashamed to come forward. Don't be ashamed to let me and others know. Butch and Doug and we'll be up front. We'll be waiting. We want to hear about what God is speaking to your heart about. If you're a Christian and you've been saved, then maybe God is speaking to you as we sing in just a moment about Jesus loves me. Maybe God's going to have you to come forward and just make a decision for him. Let's bow our heads, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed in this building, in just a moment we're going to sing. and We're going to ask God to work and move and speak and change. And I'm going to ask you just to let the Lord do whatever he needs to do, whatever that is. I don't know. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I don't know where you are in this building and what your need is. Man, the balcony's got a lot of folks in it. The main floor's got a lot of folks in it. I know there's got to be somebody here today that's that's just searching for for answers and the truth. And I want to tell you something. I've got the gospel dynamite ready. I've got it ready. It's here. And it's ready to blow sin out of your life and change you forever. So I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we're just going to sing. And I'm going to ask you to come forward as we stand and come pray and take one of these pastors by the hand and let us know what it is, the Holy Spirit. What is it, the Holy Spirit saying to you? Father, I love you.